Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here. No Gavin today, but I have my buddy Drew Steele with me today, who you might know is at Scooter Toots on Twitter. And we are breaking down the Knicks' narrow and yet satisfying 119 to 113 win over the Pacers. How the Knicks managed to pull this out despite almost blowing another big lead. Why Tyrese Halton Burton had a fake revenge game. Why RJ Barrett was amazing in his return, along with Jalen Brunson, and much more. Next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrict.land. And I'm joined by my buddy Drew Steele, who is with the Strickland and also does the Strickland Knicks Mail.Bag podcast every other week, which I do the every other other week version. So this is almost like a weird little... Uh, it's, a, it's a melding of the minds. Mel- yeah, and or melding of like two uh, podcasts on a different podcast. Yeah, one one you have to pay for, which is me. <laughs> Because yes. my because because my takes are so special. Because you're so premium. <laughs> I'm you, so you, premium. You got to get behind a paywall. You just ooze premium. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why you're behind the paywall. Yeah, exactly. I'm just on the lowly free pod on the Strickland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that today. We're here no. to talk about this 119 to 113 win by the Knicks over the Pacers. And I think the best place to start would be uh, how nervous were you drew at uh about the i don't know five or so minute mark when the knicks or maybe it was slightly before that like six minutes the knicks had a 25 point lead get cut down to three mm-hmm. and uh even with tyrese halberton out at that point things started to look a little bleak you had the the uh, annoying little gnat himself uh <laughs> tj mcconnell darting around the court <laughs> probably fouling people and not getting called for it <laughs> Um, because he's tj mcconnell (laughs) yeah and uh you know andrew nemhard playing really well to his credit uh Mm -hmm. and a number of other guys on the on the pacers kind of doing their thing and things looked a little bleak but then the knicks pulled it out quentin grimes jalen brunson and rj barrett especially all had their own little clutch moment down the stretch brunson just kind of carrying the offense like he does Mm -hmm. quentin grimes uh hitting a clutch three and R.J. Barrett hitting some clutch free throws to kind of ice the game. Uh, pretty pretty great stuff from all three of those guys. But what was your overall feeling going down the stretch of this game as things started to look all too familiar as far as a blown lead for the Knicks? No, I was nervous in the third quarter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they hit 25, and I'm like... Oh, this feels like a, 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 like it, a high it, point. <laughs> right? It feels like a trap, because I'm just like, they're going to put it into... um into like safe mode like you mm-hmm. know like conservative um run down the clock don't turn the ball over mode 
And that's exactly what they did. And it's like the thing, same thing going on. And then it wasn't until in the fourth quarter, not when things got close, then they started to make a couple more plays that wasn't like this conservative offense where mm-hmm. RJ hit the tax of tilting defense, gets Gogan up, tosses the ball to Jalen Brown, not Jalen Brown, <laughs> Jalen Brunson for the three. Like that was a really good play. Then you had like quickly beating the press, you know, beating the press, finding Quentin Grimes for the three after hit not playing most of the fourth quarter. And then RJ hitting the free throws. Like it was, you could just kind of saw like they carried out and came back. They didn't come back to win, but like they held the win by stop playing this prevent offense. And they attacked the pressure that the Pacers were doing. And it's like, finally, it's just like when you finally see them playing how they get the lead in the first place, it's refreshing. Cause like they just stop when they have a, uh, a huge lead and, why I, I don't know we could you know some people will say the coach that's up for debate the players that's up for debate I mean it, it sounds more of like an organizational thing because it happens over and over again but mm. fortunately honestly it's like it's having RJ Barrett back right just the idea of just having like that third extra offensive guy who can just do something different and I think that really just like helped yeah as well yeah, I, I think I've made this analogy on the pod before, but if I haven't, I'll make it now. Like, it's like in football, you know, going up by 10 at half and then deciding that you're only going to run run plays in the second yes. half. Like, yes, it just exactly. doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. It's like you're trying to protect the lead so much that you give up the lead, you know? And yes, and that's what the Knicks do. They always shift into that mode too early. And I'm with you, it's always a problem, you know? And, and I do think that it, I mean, if it's not the coach actively making that decision and saying, Hey, go out here and do this this way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, if it's not Tibbs doing that, then Tibbs it's at least is on him to call a timeout and say, Hey, stop Stop doing doing that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, It's it. I think it does fall back on the coach and we, and I know it's always like this. It feels like it's this controversial thing in like this, in the Nick's blog, Twitter, internet sphere, criticizing Tibbs. But like, I don't know, man, I just, I see this team and I see them, play let's not turn the ball over offense like that's ultimately the goal because you see when teams play zone the Pacers didn't do zone this time they pressed they pressed and double teamed and the Knicks instead of saying let's beat this press let's beat the double team and just getting into like the open passing lanes they just shrunk it down and they're just like no we just can't turn the ball over with passing instead of being aggressive because you have to be aggressive to beat a press and to beat like those double teams. And you saw that with the, the Jalen Brunson three, the Quentin Grimes three, like you, you kind of saw that like once they break the press, you have all the open passing, even Quentin Grimes, a dunk to kind of like secure the, uh, the game. It was, it was beating the press. It's the same thing for zone too, right? With the Knicks have trouble with zone. Cause the team, cause the opponent is basically like, Hey, they're just going to run a prevent offense. <laughs> so let's just play zone. And f- and they're because they're not going to do anything, and it plays right into the opponent's hand every single time. The Pacers did that too tonight. It's like, well, they're going to play prevent offense, so let's just press them because they're not going to try to break the press. And that's exactly what happened, and that's exactly how Indiana got back in this game. It 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 I I that has to be a coaching thing, yeah. and if it's not a coaching thing, it, then you're just like the players aren't listening to the coach. <laughs> like, and we- and if like, that's the case, then if it's that's like, the case, that's really bad. Then and yeah. apparent, and that's not the case because otherwise 
it would be tons of reports being like friction in the locker room because it's the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Everything seems to be like happy and stuff like that. So to me, it sounds like everyone is on the same page to play prevent mm-hmm. offense. So that is a that is a larger discussion that I don't think anyone wants to discuss really because the Knicks are playing well they're winning right like it seems silly to criticize the team that's over 500 i think they have sixth place now right because they beat indiana mm-hmm. right like we're like criticizing like this team where that's winning and this is probably the best they've <laughs> been since like the early 2010s right like it seems silly to do but I, I i think it's a fair discussion that you can't just shot up to be like well the league is the league gives up leads the, mm-hmm. the knicks kind of have this pattern i think of doing it more than any other team so i know the athletic did something right that was just like mm-hmm. the knicks have like the most but like the hawks do it and some other teams do it but like the hawks are a mess they're mm-hmm. not in the playoffs the knicks have been doing this for three years in a row yeah so it's like this is this is a much larger pattern if you want to acknowledge that it's happening that's great that's just surface analysis why is it happening mm-hmm. I, I i don't we don't know yet unfortunately and i think it's we should start with the coach and then start unraveling it from there but i'm happy that they pulled out the win don't get me wrong but mm-hmm. <laughs> the sign showed up again and that's yeah not, that's not fun yeah and the the whole thing too is that once you switch into that that mode where you're just trying to protect the lead and you're not really actively trying to score it it disrupts the rhythm of guys the and, and makes it so, so that mm-hmm. they can't score as well like the knicks for example in this game shot 47% roughly in the, the first half from the field and uh, almost 40% from three in the second half, shoot 43.5% from the field and 31.5% from three. Like clearly there was a drop off because the rhythm just went away. And mm-hmm. some of the guys got open shots eventually, but they were rushed because they're at the end of the shot clock. So like guys aren't able to really like set themselves and take a shot the way they want to because they're sitting there staring at the shot clock, thinking like, oh crap, I only have like one and a half seconds left to get this thing off. And, you know, it led to some really ugly shots in the second half there. But mm-hmm. to your point, too, about the about, you know, whether it's right to be nitpicking at this point, I'm I'm totally of the mind that it is, you know, because yeah, I think I, that now is the perfect time to nitpick. Right. Like this team has now shown that they have the ability to be as good as they've been. Like there was that stat from uh, from. Uh, I think Alan Hahn pulled it the other day that said like in their last 11 games, the Knicks were, I think going into this game, the Knicks were a plus 52 or something overall in -hmm. all those games. So it's like logic would dictate that they should have had a winning record in those games. But instead they were, you know, had like a losing record or, or were like right around 500. And a lot of that comes down to late game execution. And, you know, we've seen some of the games that they've wound up losing have been, times where they had a big lead and then just kind of coughed it up down the stretch because the opponent stayed aggressive and they didn't. And I think that, you know, you can chalk some of that up too to like, obviously if you're down in a basketball game, you're going to be playing more desperate. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's going to lead to, you know, the team that's desperate is always going to be doing crazier stuff than the team that isn't desperate. But I think there's a, a fine line between, you know, being like, you know, being complacent and being like just like being smart about how much time you're burning and whatever, do the, the, the little tricks of, 
you know, letting the clock run that stupid John Morant trick where you roll the ball yeah, in you and just roll you, it up. Yeah, yeah. You like slowly trot next to it and then pick it up so it doesn't start the shot clock but runs game clock. Do a little crap like that, but don't like completely abandon what you do as an offense just in the name of trying to slow the game down. Um, I I'll let you throw another another uh you know thought around as far as that goes in just a second drew mm-hmm. and we'll also talk about rj barrett's amazing return yes uh, which very I excited think, for that yes i think it made a huge difference for the knicks today but i do just have to remind everybody real quick that today's show is brought to you by built bar if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories you gotta try a built bar you just got through the holidays i know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year Put on a little weight last year. I got hurt a couple times. Wasn't able to work out as much as I wanted to. So I need some healthy protein now. And let me tell you, I've been eating tons of Built Bars. And you probably should too if you're looking to do the same thing. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. One of my personal favorites tastes just like an almond joy. The best part now, too, is that they they have great macros, only 130 calories and four grams of sugar compared to a whopping 17 grams of protein. And if that's not great enough, you now don't have to order online and wait around for them to show up. You can go right to the store and get some. That's because Built Bars are now at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Of course, you could also also always go to built.com if you want to order some there as well. All right, we're back talking about this this Knicks win. A little bit of a nail biter, as we've alluded to, and yet ultimately rewarding. Uh, yes, and, very rewarding. And, and, and a, a game uh, we haven't even, you know what, before we get to RJ, let's real quick, uh, just first off, Talk about how ridiculous it was that Tyrese Halliburton acted like getting <laughs> having like one comment from Wally Zerbiak, which he then apologized for, which was completely like unnecessary. He did not have to apologize for that. Uh, but you know, j- the only comment being like, he's a fake all star. Like, okay, dude, get more Ben out of shape. Like, come on, it, this is a revenge game for you. But then he showed up and just like laid an egg. Like he didn't play well at all. He was no, terrible. I didn't think he was good. You know, it's funny. Like you, just, I, I'm like, I'm looking at like the overall game stats, and if you look at the stats, it doesn't look that bad, right? Because it's like he shot fifty percent, six yeah. to twelve. He had seven assists, so like fifteen, seven, and three. And you're gonna look at the close score, right? And you're gonna be like, oh. This was a pretty decent game, but like Indiana started really coming back when he got hurt. Like he, they're already on the run. He got hurt, but like <laughs> I do like as annoying as TJ McConnell is. Like he's really he's a really effective point guard. Mm-hmm. He always has been, <laughs> and he probably always will be. Just being a being a pest on the uh, on the floor, but they I think they also just play better because they like I don't think I don't want to say they play better without. Um, uh, what's his name? Halliburton. Halliburton. But like every time I've kind of like seen him play right now for like the Pacers, I'm always like, he's good, but I don't always see like this like all star hype that he gets, and I'm always like, 
I feel like Benedict Matherin is like so much better, and I like him so much more because he's forcing the issue a lot. Like I just like the way he plays. And then you have McConnell running the offense and having going through Matherin. It's like that worries that always worries me about the Pacers a lot more than Halliburton doing whatever the hell he does. Like every at least when he plays for the Knicks, I don't think he does well. So like I'm not going to pretend that I. I'm watching the Indiana Pacers <laughs> this entire year, but when I've seen him against the Knicks, I don't find him impressive at all. And yeah. he puts up these things where it's just like, this was supposed to be, like you said, his revenge game, right? Because <laughs> Wally Zerbiak disrespected him. Like the whole thing is just such a farce. And then you're, then it's built up this way. And he, his team gets the the crap kicked out of them for 36 minutes 38 whatever it was right like 36 minutes like completely kicked the crap and they forge this comeback when he gets injured because his knee was sore because he probably hit it funny when his shoe came off and it's like to me i'm just like give me a break guy like this is supposed to be your moment like go out there and show that you're an all-star and instead you see jalen brunson just kick you know doing really well and he and, the, and people are like, well, is Jalen Brunson an all star? But like Halliburton's a shoe, and I was just, I did something wild tonight. And I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast. <laughs> I'm never doing that. And both Simmons and Zach Lowe were like, oh yeah, Halliburton's an all star. Like you know, like pen, like pen, not penned in. And I'm just like, and then Jalen Brunson was penciled in, but mm-hmm. only by Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe's like, oh, I don't care. And it's just like Brunson to me is the better player. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm watching Brunson more because like I'm, I'm watching every single Knicks game, but like Halliburton does like nothing to me. It does nothing for me. It doesn't scare me at all. Like Benedict Matherin scares me. TJ McConnell scares me. Hell, when Aaron Naismith was playing, like he worries me yeah. more than Halliburton. Like he's, he gets his, you know, he gets his assist. He gets his efficient shooting, but I, I don't think he's like forcing the action in any sort of way. He gets his assists, but they're not like, crazy amazing playmaker assists some of them are but not he got seven most of them were just like he just passed it to buddy healed and buddy healed can make shots okay yeah. great <laughs> good job yeah. you rack up your assist that way like i don't know he just he never impresses me and i know i'm gonna come off as a hater who doesn't watch the pacers or anything like that but just like hey when i watch him play the Knicks, he's not impressive he's not yeah i mean i will say who was impressive in this game was rj barrett, <laughs> barrett yep 27 points, uh, 9 of 23 shooting. I mean, you, you'd love to see that a little higher, but he got a mm-hmm. little cold down the stretch. Again, thanks to that game flow, I think. Uh, I, I would agree not... with that. It, it was definitely the flow because they yeah. just they stopped playing offense. Yeah, it did not do him any favors, but made four threes, which was great. Mm-hmm. Opened the game with a three, which yes. was one of the most cypher sore eyes type things that I can remember in recent memory. I was like, oh, that, that just felt so good having RJ make that three to start the game. Uh, and all in all, had a, had himself a really great game. You know, eight boards as well, four assists. I thought he was moving the ball well, mm-hmm. didn't turn it over. And he looked fine to me, man. I'm so glad that that grisly freaking dislocated <laughs> finger that led to a laceration or whatever is all healed up enough now that he could play. Because um, it was it was a joy having him back. I, I very much missed watching him play basketball and I was very happy with the results in this game right down to like every little thing that he did. I was just like, this is exactly how it was before you left. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, again, hopefully the efficiency comes around. But the best parts of his game still shine through. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the most important thing. And I, I was very satisfied with this for a first game back for him. Oh, yeah. Especially because, like, if you look, if it's kind of the same thing for, like, the Knicks as a whole. You look at, like, their first half stats versus their second half stats. And it's almost like a night and day type mm-hmm. of team. Because, like, you look at the first half stats and RJ is, you know, 16, 16 points, 3 of 5 from 3, 6 of 12 overall. And you're just, like, you know, 4 and 2. And you're just like, okay, that's good. That's a really good start. Like, that's how you want. To come off from the half with that, but no, I really liked it. I like that Clyde was like, I'd be smacking his hand <laughs> while uh, if I was defending him, and I was like, Clyde, that's messed up, but that would be exactly what I would do when I used to play basketball. Clyde, so it's also like, stop giving them ideas, shut up. I know, <laughs> he's just like, you. yeah, he's like, you know, TJ McConnell's gonna do it, yeah, <laughs> TJ McConnell would be the guy that would do that. He would be like, I'm going to send RJ back out of this game, yeah, and I would slapping be, his stitches open, right? And I would be so pissed, and then I would be like. Well, I would do the same thing if I was yeah. DJ McConnell. Then I can't really get that mad because, like, that's exactly what I would do. But, like, Clyde, stop stop saying these things. Don't <laughs> give people ideas. <laughs> Clyde is hilariously no filter with stuff like that. But, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I think I think we can talk more about RJ in just a moment. Uh, but I do have another quick reminder for everybody about a great place that they should look to do business. And that is with LinkedIn jobs. And as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know, success in 2023, all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs with LinkedIn jobs. You can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. I don't personally have to do a lot of hiring, but as a job seeker, I've always found that LinkedIn puts jobs in front of me that I would not have found otherwise. And that's led to some really quality interviews and uh, and some really quality openings that I never would have known existed before. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. And they go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates, identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Drew, let's continue gushing about RJ Barrett. Uh, I, Because, you know, if it were not for an ad break, I would have just kept going. Uh, mm-hmm. Or we could move to Jalen Brunson. I don't know. Do you feel like we've gushed enough about RJ Barrett to move to Jalen Brunson at this point? Or you think we should continue with RJ? No, I think we did a good job. I mean, okay. he wasn't like hyper efficient. So yeah. and he didn't do anything super highlighty. So we don't have to be like, oh, my God, let's check out this dunk. This or, is like, thing, yeah, anything this, like that. This is the thing with this point of the season. It reaches this point where a lot of nights it's just kind of like, I don't need to explain to you what RJ Barrett did well because he just did the stuff that he does on good nights, yeah. except for it wasn't super efficient. But like he made his threes and he got inside with these and he finished some layups and he drew some free throws, had six free throw attempts. That's awesome. And that's all you need to know, basically. Yeah, he he made his free throws and he more or less made the shots when he needed to. Yeah. 
uh, a guy though in Jalen Brunson, I think, uh, did a little more than I was expecting in this game. <laughs> um, and that's not, it doesn't really have anything to do with the scoring. Funny enough, he scored 34 points. Uh, you want to talk about efficiency? He was hyper efficient, uh, mm-hmm. 11 to 20 overall, three of four from three, nine and nine from the free throw line, which is amazing. But I think the thing that impressed me the most about Brunson in this game was we talked about Halliburton having a tough time out there. I think for as much as like Grimes was matched up against him sometimes and and did some of that, when Brunson was matched up with him, I was very impressed with with Brunson's defense on Halliburton. I thought he really took the challenge and he had mm-hmm. his usual physical limitations or whatever, but he was being like almost TJ McConnell levels of pesty. Uh, getting up into Tyrese Halliburton, poking at the ball, mm-hmm. you know, getting it away from him and and forcing some of the t- – I think Halliburton ended up with, what, four turnovers, which is, I mean, not the highest number in the world, but that's that yeah, was even worse than a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, which is mm-hmm. usually like the, the mark for point guards. I thought that Brunson did a great job on the defensive end, which was the unexpected thing other than the expected thing of him just being an absolute dynamo on offense. Yeah, I thought – I thought the team just did actually very well defensively, mm-hmm. except for like that right stretch. Yeah, yeah, like during that like specific stretch where they gave up the lead. But I I think there's a much larger discussion that we're not going to do in a post game about <laughs> why are these leads shrinking. Mm-hmm. But overall, I I thought everyone did well on defense. I thought they did a really good job on a uh, on Halliburton just as a whole, right? Because he's like everyone's like he's twenty and eleven. He leads the league in assists. Like he's doing all of this sort of stuff. He limited a seven that's under his average. I, I don't know how great those seven assists were, right? Nothing really like stood out, but yeah. like they they held him down in check pretty much the entire game. He was not a threat. Like and he looked he looked pretty all. uncomfortable trying to score the ball, even though he ultimately scored somewhat efficiently. Like Halliburton did not look comfortable. Yeah, I just he just yeah, he didn't look like he was getting anything he really wanted. Like he had a couple shots I think he wanted. Like he was like, Oh good, I got this shot, but nothing really stood out to me where I'm just like, Oh, he's getting his shot. Like Grimes, Brunson, the team did a really good job on him. They <laughs> they could they lost track of Buddy Healed. Like RJ almost coughed the game up away because of the way he was defending Buddy Healed on the perimeter, but yeah, that was really that was ultimately it, and then uh, Matherin getting in the paint. But like, yeah. Brun- but they they held in check, and Brunson was great. The he did, Brunson was real. It was really annoying because Brunson definitely should have got two more uh, charge calls mm-hmm. that uh, he didn't get. Which that one that they gave to Matherin was ridiculous. He he not only barreled into him, but then kind of threw an elbow at him. I don't. And it was, they let it go. I don't. It, I don't understand. Look, I don't. I don't understand either. I mean, I do understand because. It's why I like Benedict Matherin, and I like why and ultimately why the Knicks are also as good as they are. Like in the first half, they're forcing the issue, right? Mm-hmm. And usually the refs are going to give the benefit out for the team or the player that's forcing the issue. That's what the Knicks do basically for two and a half quarters until they stop forcing the issue, and like that's why they're so. That's why I, I, that's why we're always like, well, this team is really good because they force the issue. That's why I like Mathur. He forces the issue, so he'll get the benefit of the doubt. But no, he that that was definitely a charge that they gave him the end one on, and there was another one too. I don't, I forget who, who got the call. I think it was probably Matherin again. Yeah, I he think got he got one, two and one. He did get one really nice one that he actually did get. That was I think Halliburton on that one, or maybe it wasn't. Yeah, I forget. Um, like he, I I forget this. 
we'll go back to the tape. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we'll watch it three more times. We'll watch it three more times. As like tips is decreed. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll do another three to confirm it. But yeah, I I, I thought Brunson was really good on defense. I I think he's he really hasn't been that bad. I would say on defense, it's just it's the like he's my height issue. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's <laughs> I don't think he's bad on defense. I think he tries very hard, but I think certain matchups. Uh, showcase in a bad way his exactly what you said his yeah. his physical limitations versus others and i thought that he did a good job doing the things that in this game that lets you overcome physical limitations yes because he didn't yeah because he because fortunately now because like the Knicks now that rj is healthy and stuff like that like grimes is on the best guy RJ and quickly will probably be on like the second best guy. And that means Brunson's on the third guy and the, and the Pacers don't really have like a third guy who's really going to hurt you because Neesmith was injured. And then they play bathroom off the bench. So they're not playing like, they're not doing like McConnell, uh, Halliburton, Matherin. I noticed maybe they do do that in other games. We'll have to, I'll have to see if that's the case. Cause that, that would actually scare me a lot more, but they didn't really do that. But yeah, so if he's not on the best guy, he's pretty fine. It's not like a, it's not like a Trey Burke situation because I remember like Trey Burke would try hard, but like he was just so much like thinner and more frail than Brunson, mm-hmm. so he would just get like swallowed up on screens and he just couldn't do anything. Plus, he was somehow smaller than Brunson, like shorter. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. it, it it's it really is tough for a guy Brunson size like battling in the NBA. But he he's stocky, he's strong, and he sticks it out and he sacrifices his body. He he does exactly what you want someone who's short and stocky he plays exactly how you want someone short and stocky to play defense yeah well speaking of maybe someone who's not short and stocky but someone who plays defense exactly how you want them to quentin grimes had a really fantastic game as well uh highest plus minus on the team with a plus 14 in 30 and a half minutes and shot the lights out i mean i i thought he just had a fantastic offensive game uh 18 points six of 11 shooting four of eight from three Two of two from the free throw line. Also had five rebounds, two assists, two steals. And I'm looking to see right now how many minutes he played in the fourth quarter. It was an one minute low amount. One a minute, minute 15, fifteen in the fourth seconds, quarter, which Just is pure insanity. Insane. Pure insanity. Yeah, I don't understand how that wound up happening. Uh, with how crazy, crazy hot he was prior to that. Uh, but he made a couple dumb errors, right? I think he made a couple dumb errors and tips is probably like, how dare you make dumb errors? Go sit down. And it's like, how dare you? My best defender that I rely on to basically keep my defense completely glued together. I really, yeah, I just, I, I don't (laughs) under, I really don't understand tips sometimes because like he went in cold in the fourth quarter, right? Like it wasn't just like a minute for a minute 15 and like coming out from like the third, he didn't play. The entire fourth quarter. And then comes in and maybe hits the biggest shot of the game. And he hits, yeah, and it's just like, thank God he hit the shot. But that is an insane thing to do as a coach to be like, go in cold. Yeah. And it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. But but luckily he's good. He's yeah. really good. He was, he was so good on defense. There was a couple times. He got up on a verticality play. Um, I forget who was going for the layup. It was in the first half, but he timed it so perfectly where he jumped even like before the uh, Pacers guy like went up for the layup and then he didn't budge. And it was per- it was like perfect textbook verticality. And I'm like, 
this guy's amazing. Oh, like, this is like so good. I just love watching him play defense. He just, they need to give him the ball more. Mm-hmm. They, he, he needs to get the ball more. He has a crazy first step. And if he's hitting threes, you have to respect it. And he could pass off the drive. He doesn't need the, like his handle. Everyone's like, his handle's not that good. Yeah, it's not that good. He doesn't need anything too spectacular if he's going to be having that first step. And well, he's going to be hitting threes. And his passing is so amazing lately. Yeah. I mean, he he probably he only ended with two assists in this game. He probably could have had like four because Mitch uh, just continually, every time that Mitch touches the ball. Now, granted, Mitch has to do the thing that literally, I, you know, all of us that were taller kids got taught in like middle school and mm-hmm. not bring the ball down past his chest. Always. It's always. Like, it's always it, down by his waist. He, he always gets it and then brings it down, takes like one dribble, and then wants to like do a head fake so he can maybe try to draw a foul. But Mitch needs to just start taking the easy points because drawing fouls is not something that he should be doing all the time. Yeah, it's, it's um, you because you're you're one of the taller guys in our uh, yeah. our group. So you definitely had this experience because I know when I had like my growth spurt, they were mm-hmm. like, Drew, you're going to be the big man. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I was like, I've been a short kid my whole life playing on the perimeter. You just can't just throw me at a big, but like you're taught. I always have to keep the hands up. Like it's always yep. up. Always, yep. always, always up. If you put that ball down, it doesn't matter how much you get hit. Cause it doesn't care. Cause it's like, well, you're dumb. Why'd you bring well, the ball down? <laughs> and also you're the big man and you never get the call regardless. Yeah, it is know? just like, so, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it never works and you always get yelled at. And then, cause it's true, but Mitch yeah. does it. I don't think a lot of the Knicks they they pass low to Mitch too sometimes, which is really yep. annoying. That's the but, biggest annoyance of a big man is getting a pass low. Yeah, because <laughs> like there are so many times the Knicks are passing him low, and it's like stop passing him at his waist. Yeah, but he also brings down the rebound every single time. Brings yeah. it down. It's he like, always brings stop. it down. Yeah, exactly. It's just so Grimes probably could have gotten some extra assists. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that because Mitch just got like wrapped up every time he touched the ball underneath. It felt like. Um, and so, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I think more touches for Grimes, the better. And I hope that if they can keep this really great offensive balance that they had, I thought they really did have it in this game, you know, mm-hmm. and I thought the Randall, you know, maybe I don't think we need to touch on him too much because it wasn't like his most statistically significant game ever. But I thought that he even had a great sense of like knowing when to defer to each of his like three or if you count quickly four you know, different rotating cast of other mm-hmm. scoring players on the court. Like if they could build that out, yeah, Grimes needs to get lots of touches because his passing off that quick first step, it's just such a deadly combo. He's got like three things that he does super well on offense, mm-hmm. and that's shoot the ball, put it on the floor real quick to get inside, mm-hmm. and then pass it from that situation or finish. Yeah, like, he's finishing really well at the rim yeah. too. Like he's yeah. I, I just really like him off the ball. He he does a really good job reading, like relocating. Mm-hmm. Off through all these sort of, th- I I just really like him, and I just wish they just uh, whether it's drawing more stuff up for him or just trying to find ways where if you're forcing a team to double, either like RJ or Brunson or Randall in the post, do extra actions to try to free up Grimes because clearly you're going to have an extra guy open, and then you got to then they're probably and most of the time they're leaving Mitch open. Right on the double teams most of the time, and the Knicks were like, "We cannot pass it to Mitch," which is fair. So, like, I don't know, maybe as like a coach, do something different to maybe use Mitch as a screener to free someone else open, anticipate the double a little more. Like, I don't know, something, yeah. <laughs> something else. But no, I would, I would love to uh, see Grimes get the ball. He, his defense is incredible. 
Yeah. It, it, it's absolutely incredible. It, it, it's he's he's been great. He he's a revelation. <laughs> I will give I'll give one last shout out. Speaking of incredible defense, to Mitchell Robinson. Yes, who I, I thought in this game made a complete joke of the lineup that the Pacers had to throw out there in lieu of having Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, they threw out James Johnson and Jalen Smith as their front court to start yeah, the game. It, yeah, and work. Mitch was like, "I will have none of that, sir." Mm-hmm. And got five offensive rebounds, seven stocks in total, mm-hmm. which even for him is an absurd total. Five steals, two blocks. And I thought just utterly embarrassed that unit of I would agree. Yeah. Jalen Smith and, and James Johnson was just like, get the hell off my court. Now there was a little bit of issues with Goga down the stat down the stretch who just seems to be one of those weird Nick killers. Uh, yeah, I didn't does. think Mitch was like that bad again. I, I didn't think he was Goga. bad necessarily, but Gogo was just good, which is weird because Goga's like a G League player. But like always goes crazy look, against look, him. Every but. time I've like, it's one of those things where I really do feel like Bill Simmons now at this point where I'm just like every time I see them play the Celtics, right? Like that's what I feel yeah. where I'm just like every time I watch the Pacers, I'm like Goga's like hitting threes and playing defense. I'm like, yeah. why isn't he playing more? Yeah. But I, he must not be that good. Like uh, as the uh, aggregate outside of the Knicks, he's not very good. So yeah, but that, shout that, out that, to that, yeah, that has to be the case. No, Mitch had a great block where Goga tried to block out, box out Mitch. Like the, doing one of those, like I'm really setting a pick, but I'm boxing out type mm-hmm. things for, uh, for Matherin. And Matherin goes up so soft. Oh, that was great. And yeah. then Mitch blocks it because Goga stopped. It was such a weird possession for the Pacers because, like, they yeah. had him sealed, and they had the layup, and then they just like they just were like, yeah. Mitch so also just like Mitch also just like go go gadget arm that one too though. Yes, that was, like, that was it was such a great block. That was such a great block. Yeah, that was that was probably his best defensive highlight. I, 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 I would agree. Yeah, that was the best one. I'm just like God. I was just like Mitch, man. Engaged yeah. Mitch <laughs> is amazing. Is so fun to watch. Well, I, w- I wish they gave him his token uh, post up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or like the weird jumper type shit that he's yeah. he's been trying to pull lately. But yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's as good a note as any to wrap things up on here, Drew. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you want to like plug or anything before we get rolling here and and uh, close out the spot? I can't think of anything. Okay. That's that's good. I'll uh on your behalf, I'll say if you want to listen to Drew do a podcast in, in its entirety called Nixmail.bag, you can uh, go to patreon.com slash the Strickland and yeah, check it's that out. the six dollar six dollar, which also one. gets you into the Strickland Discord, which is a great place to be as well. It's a great yeah, because that's the place where we were talking about this because we've been talking about like this lead stuff where it's like in one of the stats I brought up was the Knicks are fourth in net rating in the first half, <laughs> which yeah. is amazing and then they're 22nd in the second half so they're a top five team then a bottom 10 team and then we see the pace too and i think that was schwinn in the uh in the discord to show that like the pace drops too between the first mm-hmm. half and the second half and you're just like there's something more to it than just teams are shooting more threes and it leads to more variability like th- there's more to this than just that and i think at least for me that's what i'll plug the plug is I'm eventually going to do more research <laughs> on this just to see like what exactly is going on. Cause you can't just be like, Oh, what's happening yeah. and not investigate anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it seems so silly to me. Like you can't just be like, Oh, this phenomenon's happening. Let's just say it's happening. 
Okay. I think that's, I think that's fair. And I look yeah. forward to that research. But till next time, Mr. Toots, thank you for joining me. No, thank you for having me. And uh, we will be back with, I think, one more game recap. I think we'll do the Friday game this week. And then uh, probably Gavin and I will answer some more mailbag questions before the end of the week. Though I can't say with 100% certainty. So keep your ears out. You know, as usual, we'll be here for at least five shows this week. So thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you all soon. Peace out. Bye.